Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello there, guys. We're back again. Budge here from the Beautiful Game podcast. I'm also joined by Dej. How are we doing, Dej? I'm doing good, boy. How are you getting on, bro? You good? Yeah, very, very well indeed. And we're also joined by Marcus from Eurosport. How's it going? Very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. So we're back again, bringing you guys the latest transfer news and gossip. And as ever, just letting you guys know which moves we're interested in, which moves we feel are good ones and not so good ones as well. And kicking us off on this occasion is Dej. Yeah, so my transfer story is, I think we've all seen it, Danny Ings apparently not signing a new contract. This is massive because I've actually spoken to people in football and they've said Southampton are amongst one of the clubs that have been heavily hit during this COVID period. And when I look at a player like Danny Ings, 28, in the peak powers, peak time of his career, he should be aspiring to play in the Champions League. This is a man in a hurry. You know, he's had injuries which have curtailed him. And when you look at the striker market, it's not that really stacked with quality. You've got your Suarez, your Lewandowski's, you've got your young shooters like Erling Haaland, who's on the market. But when I look at Danny Ings, 28 years of age, I think a team like Manchester City should be all over that. When you look at Sergio Aguero, he's probably coming to the twilight of his time at Manchester City. Gabriel Jesus, a good striker, but I don't think he's maybe hit the heights and maybe what Pep's looking for. But when you look at Danny Ings, pace, can get in behind, intense. You know, he can score different types of finishes. So I think Danny Ings you know, should be on the top of the list for many, many clubs in the Premier League. You know what? 100% Dej, I've got to say, I, I, I agree with you on that. We saw him last season. I think he came second in um, the, the race for the, the, the golden boot in the Premier League. Just 22 behind. goals, yeah. yeah with the 22 goals in the league. Um, and I think you, you, you mentioned it also when you spoke about the injuries that he suffered. So, you know, um, we recently spoke to Jason Punchin on our podcast who spoke at length about, you know, how difficult it is to return back from, you know, those kind of long-term injuries. And he's had two to both of his knees, right? And I think, you know, it, it is definitely a nod to the uh, the mental fortitude of, of the man and the fact that he is, you know, so determined to come back. He, he returned on both occasions earlier than uh, what had been anticipated. And to, to, to rise again to the level that he's been performing at last season. And it looks like he's, you know, kicked things off this season the same way. 
And I think you're 100% right in the fact that he 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 should be challenging himself and looking at you know looking uh, above the uh, himself in the in the table and and looking at where else he could potentially um, apply his services. Um, I I totally agree with that as well. I think the key the crucial part to Ings here is the knee injuries because I think it probably crystallizes to him the fragility of like an elite level career. So then it becomes even more important that you test yourself at the highest mm -hmm. level as soon as you can really, because he knows that it could be taken away from him. I yeah. think the additional point is there is a potential for him to be a starter at a top four club. But I think also the fact that he's such a well-rounded striker makes him a perfect backup. Realistically, when he goes there, he'll have to start as a backup, right? If you go to one of the top four, he's probably not going to be a straight starter. Um, so do you think if Gabriel... Um if Sergio Aguero leaves Manchester City, don't you think there's a void there that Danny Ings can fill? Perhaps, yeah, yeah. That's a, actually a very, very fair point. I suppose, yeah, yeah. I suppose City is, City is an example where he could, yeah. I think other clubs, he'd, he'd probably have to start as a second, but City is a, a really good um, example. I do wonder whether they'll go for, do you think they'll go for Harry Kane if, if that happens? You know what, Marcus? <laughs> That was the other point that I was about to raise. So the rumored the, the, the rumored transfer uh, gossip is that City are planning a, a hundred million pounds swoop for Harry Kane in the summer, and so if that is uh, going to go ahead, then of course Tottenham will be left without a uh, you know a, a recognised strike. I think Carlos Vinicius is, is is on loan, and so he'll he'll go back in in, in the summer, and so they're they're you know they're they're left in a sort of similar situation to Manchester City in that regard as well. Yeah, true. So there, there is probably an opportunity for him to be a leading man as well, isn't there? So it's, it's, it's sort of like the perfect storm, really. How often does is there a gap to be the leading man at a top four club yeah. as a striker, coming from somewhere like Southampton? Yeah. And when exactly. I look at it, I think his mindset will have changed. When he went into Liverpool, I think he was maybe thinking, wow, this is a global institution. I'm playing with Sturridge. I'm playing with Coutinho. Now, I think at Southampton, he's shown that, you know what, I'm a top-level striker. I'm top class. So if I go to one of these big clubs, I'm going to take my opportunity. Right, I wanted to move on to the transfer news of the day that I'm very interested to get both of your thoughts on. And I think it is um, potentially one of those dream transfers that could potentially happen. Usually on our podcast, Dej does a very good job of keeping me grounded when I... Uh, get too lost in the in, in the cloud. And I think he probably will do the same on this occasion. But hear me out, I've got I've got to say it. I think the news broke last night and it certainly let um left the tongues wagging of a particular club fan base um when the news broke that Martin Odegaard had uh asked had uh, apparently asked Madrid to be uh, be allowed to go out on loan according to reports in Spain. Now, this is an interesting one because, you know, it's crazy to, to think that he still is only 22. It feels like he's been in the game for a very, very long time. And I'm sure we'll all remember when he sort of burst on the scene back when he was, I think, 15 or 16 years old and set the world alight, this um, Norwegian wonder kid. And for one reason or another, after getting that big money move to Real Madrid, he hasn't quite lived up to the expectations that, you know, were, were set upon him. Um, last season, he went on loan to Real Sociedad and had a, a stellar season. He was sort of ever present in that team and built some really good partnerships on the field with other young, exciting talents like Ad Adnan Yanazai and uh, Mikel or or Orzabal. 
And, you know, he's been recalled to Real Madrid off the back of that impressive season, but hasn't featured much since the start of the season. So I think in total, he's had 233 minutes in the league and only five since the start of December. So isn't really in um, Zidane's plans, uh, it seems. And so, you know, him leaving on loan seems like the the, the best thing for him to do to, to try and get some minutes under his belt and prove to Zidane that he can be a firm fixture in his starting eleven, And given the success of his previous speller, Real Sociedad, it makes all the sense in the world that he would return back to familiar territory. But, of course, given the fact that Arsenal are about to uh, um, announce the imminent departure of a certain Mesa Ozil and have been speaking at length about needing another attacking midfield player, um, this is inevitably one that Arsenal fans are going to be all over. And I think last night on, on Twitter, there were, you know, fans um, at in, you know, all of the sort of Arsenal reporters and, and the club and asking them to get the deal done. And I guess I wanted to ask you guys how realistic you felt that move could potentially be. I think it's very realistic. I mean, this is a player that had a two-year loan deal at Real Sociedad. It was cut short. As you mentioned, he had a successful loan at Real Sociedad, forming relationships with Yazabel. When I watched this player, whew, he, he is something special. You know, on that right-hand side, cuts in on that left foot, plays the ball, slide roll to um, attackers. He's the striker's dream. Do I think it will happen? When you look at Arsenal's needs, they need creativity. You know, that's something that's been void all season. Um, Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe, they brought something, they brought that youthful energy. But I think with Martin Odegaard coming in, that will really, really help Arsenal's attack and really get their creativity going. You know, so yeah, I think it's a good one. 100%. What about, what about you, Marcus? What do you think about this one? Um, I think it's, yeah, I think there's a strong possibility that A, it could happen and B, it would be a good fit. A is obviously, there's a relationship there with Real Madrid. Obviously, there's been some changes in boardroom level at Arsenal, but they've already got um, Tobias on loan, right? Yeah. So yeah, then yeah. you already have that sort of relationship there, which should make things smoother. If Madrid are happy with how Tobias has been handled, that makes them a lot more likely to loan Odegaard to Arsenal, right? Mm-hmm. I think part of the reason why, was part of the reason why? Because there were rumours at Sociedad, they mismanaged a knee injury. So there's been talk of him going back there, but would the club want him to go back there? Maybe not. We don't know. Um, and in terms of fit, I think he'd be a perfect fit, to be honest, because Arteta's obviously brought on a sort of style of play where it's possession dominant. Mm-hmm. But at times, it can be a bit sterile, right? They're passing the ball, they're yeah. passing the ball, they're passing the ball, there's no incision. Some of the passes that Odegaard made for Real Sociedad last season, there was one in particular that I think took out the whole defence and the goalkeeper. <laughs> like, it sort of slid past the goalkeeper and someone tapped it in at the back post. I was like, wow. So in terms yeah. of... A fit, it, it seems perfect. Also, I think with Odegaard at Arsenal, considering the season they've had, it'd sort of be pressure-free coming into the Premier League in many respects mm-hmm. because Arsenal are on an upward trajectory. If they were second, then he came in, pressure on straight away. However, if they're a little bit lower, he comes in, takes a little bit of a time to bed in, then again, that's not a massive issue. So I think the fit is looks spot on to me. Mm-hmm. And when you think yeah. about the deal as well, alone there's no real strings attached you know mm-hmm. he can come in get his minutes show what he's about and go back because Arsenal no doubt he want to strengthen in that area we've heard links with Hussam, Awa, Wundia 
So like it's a win-win for both parties. So if that happens, I think it makes perfect sense. Yep. And as well, it's, it's, you know, I think the Premier League needs more playmakers. If I if yeah. I was going, you need another another class playmaker to come in. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I definitely echo those points. I think above everything else, Martin Odegaard will will have the right mentality because he's got a point to prove, right? So it's it's not going to be a similar situation, for example, to let's say an Isco who's at a different. Uh, phase of his career, right? This is a, a young, hungry player who's got it all to prove, who wants to play regularly. And from Arsenal's standpoint, you know, as you guys already mentioned, we are really lacking that kind of creative player. Um, Emil Smith-Rowe has sort of come in and, 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 and injected that creativity. But to place that entire burden just on his shoulders, I think is a bit too much responsibility at his tender age. And, you know, you look at options in the wide areas, and this is why I think Odegaard makes all the sense in the world because he's a wide playmaker but can also play in that 10 position. Mm. And, you know, you've got Nicola Pepe, who's flattered to deceive. William, who, you know, had a promising start to the season against Fulham, but since then is sort of, um, you know, whose form has fallen off a cliff. So he can provide that cover in that wide area, which then allows um, there to be a bit of tinkering in terms of Saka's position as well. Yeah, And the fact that, Arsenal only have one recognised left-back, for example, in the team at the moment. Um, so I think it, it just gives a few more options to Arteta. And I think for, for those reasons, uh, it would be an absolute amazing signing for Arsenal fans, I'm sure. And as you mentioned, Emil Smith-Rowe, he's a young player. You expect his form to fluctuate. I know he's burst onto the scene and mm. everyone's saying, you know what, he's performing well. But there's going to be a dip at some point. So you need to cover yourself. And as young players, you dip them in and out of action. And that's what I think they would do. And to wrap things up, Marcus, who's the uh, the transfer that you're interested in, in chatting through? Okay, so this maybe isn't the biggest transfer of the day, but I think it might potentially be the most interesting. Now, I know that's a big claim. So it's Lucas Torreira. He might be having his loan spot Atleti cut short and his interest in Valencia. Now, I suppose the wider point on this one and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this out of the way early, is this move makes absolutely no sense to me, right? But <laughs> there is a wider point to be made in terms of transfers. So Lucas Torreira, when he came from Sampdoria to Arsenal, there was a lot, a lot of hype around him. He performed very well for Sampdoria. I think they played like a 4-3-2-1. Came to Arsenal, made a very strong start at Arsenal. I remember him scoring, was it the fourth goal in a 4-2 win against Spurs in a North London derby or the third goal? But he yeah, sealed that win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So do I, I'm a Spurs fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but he sealed that win. And it was, I think that was within the run of 18 games, 18 unbeaten games for mm. Arsenal. He looked a very good player. And then he sort of petered out towards the end of the season, culminated, I think, in the Europa League final where he got subbed off after 60 minutes in, in the heavy loss to Chelsea. And then he was in a system there where he, I, I believe he was playing alongside Granit Xhaka. He performed well in that role, not as well as he did at Sampdoria, but still well. Then there were a couple of tactical tweaks the next season from Unai Emery, where he tried to be a bit more on the front foot. It didn't suit him at all. And it, and his form really like petered out. One of the issues, I believe, was perhaps physically, in terms of he needs that three, the support there, because I don't think he is physically athletic enough to, to operate in a two. So he's moved to Atletico. On, on, on sort of like, you know, on a base level, that looks like a good move, a good fit. Yeah. Diego Simeone, one of the best defensive coaches in the yeah. world. He's normally a defensive central midfield player. He's only started one game. He's generally been a sub. But I think the issue there isn't the team he's playing in or the players he's playing in. 
it's the formation he's playing in, which is 4-4-2, which, are, which they generally play now, and I don't think suits him. So he's currently in a team top of the league who he's not playing much for. Now, the team that are interested in him are a team that I think are 14th in the league who also play 4-4-2. So for me, you would stay at Atleti, right? See out the season, maybe pick up a winner's medal for Liga and then assess your needs at the end of the season and find a team that suits your profile as a player. And I think the wider point I'm trying to make is being an exceptional player, because I see Torreira as an exceptional player, isn't always good enough to make it a successful transfer. You have to be a club that suits you, a system that suits you. And I think these are points that could be then taken back to both Odegaard and Ings. So my point is, Torreira is a fantastic player, but he needs to take a, take a step back, sort of assess which clubs are interested in him, which clubs suit him. So if I was him, I would go absolutely nowhere near Valencia. <laughs> no, nah, that was a point well made. And when mm. he burst into the scene at um, Sampdoria, he was playing in a 4-3-3, playing in that pivot, that number six, with the two number eights. And that seems to suit him. When he came to Arsenal, we saw him in his first few months. He was very comfortable. And I remember he sort of took a turn after the game at Anfield. I think that game sort of like stripped his confidence. And, you know, I think going to Atletico, you probably thought he's going to get a new lease of life. Simeone, a very intense coach. But it hasn't worked out. And I'm surprised because I rate him as a good player. But I think you have to play to his strengths. And he's got a skill set that if you play him ahead of that skill set, you start to see him unravel and not perform. So, yeah. You know what I think as well, just to add to that, um, Marcus, is the very pivotal factor here that we haven't mentioned is the role that Arsenal play in this. So they are still very keen to move Lucas Torreira on. And we'll view it from the perspective of trying to protect the value of the player. And so obviously, given the fact that he's only played or started once for Atletico since the start of the season, of course, they're having a brilliant season so far. And it's like, if it ain't broke, why don't, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but, but Arsenal will, will have in mind that they want to get and recoup some of the, the outlay that they spent um, on him uh, when acquiring his services a few years ago and could potentially call him back from that loan if they feel that there's no chance of him continuing to play. So whilst, you know, it makes sense for him to stay put, assess his, um, you know, his options come sort of summer, I think that there is every chance that if things continue as they are, that Arsenal will want to, you know, get him to, a, to another club and playing regularly to keep him in the, in, in the sort of the shop window. So I think that that's that's a for that particular reason it's a, it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, it's yeah, and that's that's a, an excellent point. I just feel, and I think this comes to the immediacy the immediacy of our opinions at this point in time in, in society yeah. in general, right? How many loan deals can be unsuccessful before he's, for want of a better word, a, officially a flop? And then mm. your value sort of in all sorts of trouble. I don't, I don't know. It's a really really difficult one. Basically, I think this is. This could be the most important move of his career. If he if he makes a move now and it goes mm-hmm. well, then the trajectory of his career goes up again, right? Because yeah. as I say, I believe him to be an exceptional player, very good player. Mm-hmm. If he moves somewhere and it doesn't go well, you can really you could potentially see it petering out. So it's sort of like for us, Arsenal, if they are keen to move him on to another club and alone, they need to get the club right. And yeah, I'd be interested. I don't know the inner workings of Arsenal, but it's interesting in terms of how they're sort of like scouting and bits and pieces have changed in the last year. I'd be interested to hear your guys' opinion on 
what you think about that and whether they're in a position to select the right club from him because it looks a little bit makeshift <laughs> yeah, to me. Yeah. To me. Yeah. And I'm on, on Yeah, you've seen a, like a lot of people at board level leaving Arsenal. We even spoke to Francis Kagigao and he was part of that overhaul. And, you know, they're going to much more of a data system. When cool. Francis was there, it was much more the eye test, watching plays and see what they can do. Mm. But going back to Lucas Terrell, I think going to Valencia kind of makes sense. Going from Arsenal to Atletico Madrid, you know, a team with a winning mentality, demanding manager. You've got Coke, you've got Thomas Lamar, you've got a lot of mm-hmm. quality central yeah, yeah, midfielders. Yeah. So maybe going to a team similar profile of Sampdoria, build up your confidence, then springboard from there because he's a good player. Yeah, 100%. Be interesting. It'll be yeah. interesting. One definitely to watch. I certainly. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, really interesting and, and good to hear your thoughts and your views on all of those transfer news. We will most definitely have to wait and see how things progress for the rest of this window. But we will be back again tomorrow, bringing you again the latest transfer news. So stay tuned. It's the Beautiful Game podcast and the Eurosport collaboration. And we'll see you guys soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.